Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. This is your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, and you are listening to The Broadway Cast. The Broadway Cast is the weekly theater talk show that brings your favorite Broadway personalities together for hysterical, informative, and inspiring roundtable conversations. On today's very special Pride Month episode, we welcome Tony Award winner Gavin Creel and the fabulous Frankie James Grande. So let's go on with the show. That music is so darn exciting, isn't it? That means the show is about to happen. Hi, everybody. It's me, your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, and you're listening to The Broadway Cast, a very special The Broadway Cast today. June is indeed busting out all over because with June comes Pride Month, which is very exciting for me and a lot of people in the theater community and around the world. And we are recording our Pride episode today, and we've brought two very proud, very accomplished, very beautiful, very wonderful gentlemen here to talk all things Pride with us. Let's say hello to them. Let's say hello, first of all, to my darling Frankie James Grande. Hi, Frankie. I love you so much. It has been so many years that we've known each other. So many. It's been a whole lot of years um, back to when we... I got you to take off your shirt and be in a photo with me for an ad at Therapy Gay Bar. Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, you've gone gray. I've had a new nose and gone platinum. It's been a long time. Listen, this is a podcast. No one's supposed to know I've gone gray. This is gray. It's very, very (laughs) in. It's actually platinum. We and we're we're all we're all twinning everyone on this podcast at the moment. Gavin Creel is here. Tony Award winner Gavin Creel. Hi, Gavin. Hi. It's so good to see you all. What a dream. What a dream this is. Dreams coming true. Um, so happy to have you guys here. Now, I guess to start out, how how do you all know each other? What's what's your immediate memory of, of meeting one another? Frankie, I was trying to think back. I mean, oh to me, God. it's the Rosie Cruz. The Rosie right? Cruz. Yes, of yeah. course. Which, That's when which we is met each other. For the that, Pride. That crazy sh- Yes, it was to Mex- Mexico, yes. Puerto Vallarta, and Mazatlan. And um, it was... 
you know, I met Frankie, I think you were in Mamma Mia at the time, I think. I was, yeah. yes. I and was. I was like, this, this, this My beautiful God. ball of energy, <laughs> this proud out light of a person was so much, we had such a good time that week. And I was like, it was like, so, so, so it's not, and we don't see each other very often. I get to talk. So it's so nice to get to have this moment to connect with you, especially at, for this podcast. And Ben and I know each other. We From go the fame days, way, way back. Way back. The, way back in the fame days. I like to flatter myself, Gavin, that at one point, I, uh, when we were very, very young, I think we ate sandwiches in Central Park together. Oh, yes. I think I'd did like we, to flatter ooh. myself that I went on a date with you at one point. I don't know if it's yeah. true. I'm sure we did. And I th I'm, I'm sure it was wonderful. I was, it, was, <laughs> it was a beautiful memory that we were both holding on to for a very long time. I have to say that I, I was such a massive fan of Mr. Gavin oh. Creel when I met him. And I was literally fangirling so hard on that cruise when I met you because I'd seen Millie like 5,000 <laughs> times. I was like a Millie head. What, were we, what are the Millie heads called? I don't know, but I that. was one of those. Um, yeah, that a Millie head. And I don't think that's what it's called, but it was amazing. And yeah, it's been nice to see you throughout the years and reconnect, especially when I saw you and Dolly, you're just, oh, you're just a delight. As, I'm so glad. Thank to you. Here. I also want to say that I, I remember an appearance that Frankie made at Bette Midler's, um, Halloween where he showed up completely. Yes. I think he was only wearing a dance belt, but you couldn't tell it was only a dance yeah. belt because from head to toe, I think even his hair was was a different color. He was yep. painted as the galaxy, and you can look it up online. You have to see yes. it was he, you and your date. I think there were two, both of you were painted that yes. way. It was remarkable. Yep, we, we sat together. At the it was unbelievable body makeup. Maybe the, the best body makeup I've ever seen. Was it was awesome. Night. That oh, feels very on night. brand to me for Frankie to show up as the galaxy in general. <laughs> yeah. And especially at Bette Miller's <laughs> Halloween party. That's, I mean, if we're going to talk about gay shit today, yeah. that really sums it up right there. That's there it, it in a nutshell. Well, crazy. I'm a huge fan of both of you. Yeah, the episode's over. That's right. We've Goodness. hit peak optimum gayness. It's all going to get straighter from here on out. Gosh darn it. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you here to talk about Pride. And I, if you don't mind today, I'm going to jump in on the conversation too, because I've got a lot of thoughts and feelings and I'm, I'm as gay as they come. So let's, I just, You're gay? it's time. This is what I wanted this to be. I thought, what could be a better way to come out officially than with Gavin Creel and Frankie James Grande on a podcast? Well, it's, it's really good. Welcome. I feel welcome. Three, of, th three yeah. of the gayest things known to man. Absolutely. Frankie yeah. Grande, Gavin Creel, and podcasts. And po <laughs> almost as gay as blue satin sashes. Um, yes. Pretty gay. All right, uh, here's the game. So I've compiled a list of queer characters in Broadway musicals. I'm going to list, I'm gonna name that queer character and then I want to see who can name the musical first. Now, if you can okay. name the musical and sing two bars from it, you get extra pied points. Here we go. First character, okay. Roger Debris. Oh, I know what it's from, but I couldn't sing you. I could sing you Springtime for Hitler and Germany. That's right. Oh, it's the Gary producer. Gary, That's Gary, great. Gary Beach won an, an, yes. Oscar, an Oscar, a Tony for that. God Let's... rest his soul. Gone too soon. Gary Beach. Did like Didn't Cosmo Fall do... with him. I was going thing. to say. Yep. Oh, I love yeah, him. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. Yeah. All right. Next one. Molina. The character name is Molina. Yes. Gavin. 
Do, Frankie, do you know this one? I'll let you go if you know this. No. Kinky boots. So close, but no. not even at all. Not it even. is from uh, uh, <laughs> Dressing Them Up. I love to Dressing Them Up. It's from Kiss of the Spider Woman. That's right. Oh, yeah. No, never seen that. Never. But I love Alfred Molina. So that's, that's, fa that's fair enough. And he does a bang up rendition of Spider Woman himself. Um, and <laughs> he does. Stay tuned for the behind the scenes footage afterwards. All right. Angel Dumont Chouinard. <laughs> oh, I know that one. That one's from Rent. That's Thank right. God. Angel ding, ding, Dumont ding. Chouinard. It was my lucky day today on Avenue A when a lady in a limousine drove my waist. She said, darling, be a dear. I haven't slept in a year. I could do the whole show. So we'll just I stop there. That's what the podcast is ultimately. I come out in front of you two, and then you do Rent as a one-man production. All right, Allison, yeah, perfect. Allison Bechtel. Yes. Go. Um, I don't. I only saw it once, but it was at Circle in the Square. This is Fun Home. She's oh. actually is she is, is it actually is she actually the oh yeah middle Allison old yeah. Allison. I'm uh, my keys, lots of keys, ring of keys. That's, That's exactly I right. Couldn't wish and something about. Something about making, I'm changing my major to Joan, which I love that. It's such a brilliant uh, lyric idea and, and a beautiful I love song. it too. No. I'm, I think the song is I'm giving my keys to Joan. I think that's the song. <laughs> I mean, something, something like, like that. that. I'm actually not sure. I know Ring of Keys has something that's to do absolutely with Absolutely right. Uh, Seely and Suge. Oh, come on, boys. Color purple? Yeah, absolutely. That's Seely? Yes, Frankie, absolutely. yes. Beautiful gay energy. Oh, come on, Frankie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. What I loved about that was the vibrato was so pure and not forced. I love that. Not about at that. all. It's very free. I got also, my console out. I need the you did? I wish I could. Yes, oh, congrats. I did. It really helped. I'm not going to lie. Really Everyone did. says that. Everyone says when they get their tonsils out, then I think Lena Hall said she got her tonsils out and all of a sudden she could sing like that. She was, we were not, she was texting me through the entire process and was like, you must do this. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, because I was really not into it. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have surgery, blah, blah, blah. It's the worst surgery on earth, by the way. It was the most pain I've been in as an adult, um, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Did so you do it electively, Frankie? Good. It was weird. I was, like, not getting better after COVID. Like, I got COVID, and oh. I never got better. Like, I just had, like, brain fog, like, crazy, crazy, crazy. So I went to a bunch of doctors and got an abund like all these diagnostic things, and then they found my tonsils were making strep antibodies constantly, so my body was just constantly making strep antibodies. So it was having a difficult time fighting the COVID and everything else that was going on. So I got them out and it worked. And they were just necrotic Congrats. strep sacks. Wow. Say that five <laughs> times fast. That's weird. That's my dream yeah. name. Absolutely. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage. Please welcome to the stage. Necrotic, Necrotic strep, strep sacks. sacks. <laughs> She's always got oh, the best oh, bags. Oh, oh, oh. You better believe. Here's one whizzer. Oh, yeah. No, go. Do you know that one? No. Um, Wizard, hey, kid, you're looking very good today. You should have seen yourself a few days back. I had a heart attack, Jesus. It's falsetto. Falsettos. And falsettos and falsetto. Oh. March the falsettos, all of it. Yeah. Uh, all right. And yeah. let's see. How many gays? Alyssa Green. Alyssa Green. I mean, maybe I, I'm going to guess. Do you have a guess, Frankie? Dear Evan Hansen. Just kidding. There no. are no gays in that show. And there should have been. Now that I think about well, it. Well, there were, so there were gays in that show. Let's be clear. They just yes, weren't that's playing true. gays. Right. Yes, you're exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I um, no, no. Alyssa Green, is she from Jagged Little Pill, maybe? No. She's no. from the Alyssa. prom. Oh, oh shoot. She 
Of course. From the prom. I couldn't tell you which one she was. Is she the lead? She was the, yeah, she was uh, the love interest. Caitlin, of... Caitlin Coonan? She, yeah, she oh. was her girlfriend. She's the one that uh, Ariana did the movie. Izzy, or Izzy McCalla. That's the one, yeah. Izzy McCalla, honey. Yes. All right, Cute. I'll give you one yes. more. I uh, liked the movie. Okay, Rod. Rod the puppet. <laughs> oh God, having a cue. That's right. Angels. No, no, no. It's Angels in America. Absolutely. Sorry. Oh yeah. I, I, I love Rod. Wait a minute. That's the show we've been missing. Is the all puppet Angels in America? In America. Why didn't I mean, we do that? All That's right. Crazy. Davenport, if you're listening, yeah. this is the show we need. Yes. <laughs> I think that Gavin won that by a by at least three prize points. Yes, I a think long so too. I do think so. Too. That was fun. But it is fun, right? Let's do gay wanna... reality TV people. Just oh, kidding. see? Well, then I'm did out. It, did, I don't know that either. I don't know that either. Just did, did anybody see at MCC recently which way to the stage by any chance? I was oh, supposed no. to go, and then they had to cancel shows because of COVID. I'm, because of COVID. I'm going to tell you, if you missed it, it is your loss. It was one yeah. of the great – I loved it so very much. It was so inside mm -hmm. about musical theater and us and our lives. But some of the points it made, and one of the points it made – um, uh, I think Max Jenkins is the the lead actor who played Jeff. Um, he went on this tirade about how so many gay men have written for musical theater yet not written heroes, gay men in the leading mm -hmm. roles. And mm. there's so few stories, musical stories that are told. And I just want to say to anybody out there, I'm trying to do it myself to write gay stories. If you want to write a gay story, write a gay story. Screw whether or not it's producible or whether people will come. That's all product. Write the process. Write a great story. Write a great character. Talk about, tell our lives. And it doesn't just look like three people. Yeah. There's a million of us out there doing a million different things. Yep. Some of us are boring like me and some of us are fabulous like Frankie. Thanks. Just write it. Like, write it and tell our stories. And they did it so beautifully. Anna Figueroa, I think, is the playwright and Sask. Goldberg was in it and Evan Todd and Michelle. I, I can't say her last name because I didn't, she didn't tell me it and I can't pronounce it. So I'm not going to butcher it, but they were so good. And the play was so wonderful. Oh, I wanted to go. Oh, it was so it good. Just I, can, literally I last weekend. Yeah, I yes, sounded like it was fit. right up my alley. I would have been the perfect audience for that. If they're standing outside the stage or waiting to meet a Dina Menzel, which is, that's yeah. the, that yeah, was the I, deal, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would have been right up my well, alley. Some, right. I had a great, it's I had gonna... a great Adina Menzel stage short story. You, you do? I should have been in it. Oh, yeah. Um, I went backstage with my sister to Wicked when I was um, a, wee, a wee child. And Ariana was really, really young. Um, like, I want to say, like, I was 20 and Ariana was 10 or something. Who's Ariana? And I was like, um, <laughs> my sister. <laughs> Cutie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, um, so we went backstage and she went to Kristen's dressing room and I went to Adina's dressing room. And um, uh, Ariana goes, disappears and I'm outside Adina's and I like knock and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like so excited. I'm like, hello. And then she opens the door and she's like, hello. And I was like, hi, my name's Frankie, and I go to Muhlenberg College, for, and I'm a musical theater major. And we always say across the entire campus, we go, hello, back and forth <laughs> to, like, say hello to each other. And she goes, is that the Elfie riff? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, here's an Elfie bracelet, and gives me the bracelet, and then closes the door in my face. Then I walk <laughs> down the street, and I see Ariana and Kristen Chenoweth 
doing ballet, prancing, singing at the top of their lungs, blowing bubbles. Kristen's like given her like a basket and was like, here, take everything that's in my dressing room home with you. Here's my tiara from the show. Goodbye. See you. See you next time. And they were having time with their lives. I was like, I picked the wrong dressing room. And all like, let me ask you the this. shitty bracelet. Wait, let me ask you this though. You still have that bracelet, don't you? Of course I do. I have the. Of course like, you do. No, I, I would not have changed a damn thing. I would you... not have changed a thing. We don't want to know where he's wearing the bracelet, but he does indeed still have the bracelet. <laughs> Here's an LV bracelet. Uh, I will also say for the record that also Elva Tweet... was a terrible, terribly exhausting role. No one should be cordial after that show. No, I'm just saying, not. like, those poor alphabas have the worst lives. I know so many of them, and they literally say it is the worst gig of all time just because you can't have a life. You can't, like, see people after the show or, like, do anything. So anyway, I just, but it was funny. Which gives breath to the, to the conversation again of why is there not a matinee alphaba standard in the books? I was just talking to Jenny Denoy about that the yeah. other day. It seems completely insane. Um, yeah, there, I mean, Frankie Valley got one. Yeah. So, all right. Now that we've crushed little girl spirits all over the country, um, <laughs> I guess when we're talking about pride, I think uh, the most profound moment of a, of a queer artist's life or human is coming out, choosing to come out, how it happens, when it happens. And I was wondering if we could start with sharing a little bit of how, what that process was for each of you coming out in this world as gay, queer person. Yes, it was right after I was birthed. Just kidding. Yeah, because you came Straight out. The first the thing you did was the Elfie riff, right out of the yeah, womb. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow!" Oh, you're like, she's like, "Hi, sweetheart." <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess since I'm starting, I'm uh, talking. I'll just start. Mm -hmm. I um, interestingly, I didn't have any gay role models at all growing up. Like in high school in Boca Raton, Florida and Fort Lauderdale in my high school, I had no gay people. So I didn't know what, like, what I was, honestly. I didn't really know what being gay was. I only had Queer as Folk on Cinemax and I was like, cool. So I should like move to Canada and go to raves and like be a lesbian. Like I didn't understand what being gay was. So I just, um, once I went to college and I was like, oh, gay people, I'm, I think I'm that thing, that over there. And I was pledging Sigma Phi Epsilon and I actually came out to my fraternity brothers first before Daring. anyone else. I know. And they were so supportive and they were so wonderful about it. And I was in like kind of like the straight bro cool fraternity. Um, and it was, um, so they gave me the courage to actually come out to my family, which is, and that's so interesting. And like, so like the wow. opposite of what you think. that is yes. exactly the opposite of what I would think. And I don't know I why, know. Even so particularly weird. for you coming out in a straight frat party, I guess if anyone can do it, it's you. <laughs> do a keg stand and, and speak your truth. What about you, Gavin? Exactly. Oh, I did. I danced. I twirled on those, those beer pong tables. <laughs> well, also Frankie, knowing you, um, the little that I do, but I, you are always so you're um, you, I, you, I would imagine you disarm them mm -hmm. from their, from their weaponry. Like you're like, yeah. I'm not going to threaten you, but also I'm not, I'm not even going to allow you to affect me. So they probably mm -hmm. had no option. I think that's something that's really helpful to think about to people who are contemplating coming out. It's actually, I had a therapist who said to me before I came out to my parents, he said, you're not, 
you have to remember all you're doing is taking your power back. You're giving information to somebody that you are mm. already have soul searched. You're just passing information. But when you pass that information to other people, you feel like it's going to ruin you or defeat you, but you're actually claiming power. And oh, I, I don't know. That really helped me. It, right. Wonderful. And that's exactly what you, that's what you did with the fraternity. You're like, well, I'm going to tell you something. And look, it's, I feel like the anticipation is always worse than the event. That said, I had a sort of, because we think of my therapist at the time said to me, what's the worst case scenario? He said, you need to entertain and live through the worst case scenario. We need to touch on that. And he said, now, you know, your parents better than anybody, but I would imagine we don't go to movie worst cases. Like your mom's not going to walk over to a gun and, and end your life or end hers. Like that's not, let's not go to something horrifying or, or, or awful like that. But what's really, and I said, well, the worst case scenario that I can think of that I think will happen and will be awful was that my parents will go, no, we are not talking about this. Absolutely not. No. And they'll get up and leave the room and I'll be like, crap. And it did not happen. And, but, but we prepared for that. Mm -hmm. I emotionally prepared for that. And then when I did it, it was one of the most beautiful things. My mom cried a little bit. My father immediately said, that doesn't change the way we feel about you. Like immediately said it, as I said, I'm gay because I hemmed and I hawed. And then he said, I've said this before, but he said one of the most beautiful things he's ever said to me. I was sort of like sitting there going, okay, so I guess, um, God, I feel like I should be talking more. I didn't, I didn't thought this was going to go differently. And he just said, Gavin, I want to tell you something. I was sitting in church the other day and I was looking around during the sermon. I was just looking around the congregation and I was looking at how many of these people come up to talk to me. And the only reason they talk to me is to ask how you're doing and what you're up to. And how dull my life would be if you weren't in it. Mm. And I, I was like, well, that's just the greatest thing like, you can ever hear from somebody who you're afraid was going to walk up and say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'm not going to talk about this at all. Yeah. So, I, you know, for, to, to anybody who's listening, I just think you have been waking up every day worried about what the world will think of you. But you've been thinking about being gay every day or bi or trans or non-binary, whatever you think you might be, asexual, intersex, anything. But you've been you've been confused, but you're thinking about it all the time. It's it's affecting. I have to remember, remind myself, my parents aren't thinking about this at every second the way that I am. So I need to afford grace and compassion to, and time for them to be like, say the wrong things, screw up the language, mm -hmm. um, be offensive, be embarrassing. It's like I think about it all the time. You don't. Now I've given you the information. Now you need to start thinking about it. And now I'll gently start guiding you towards, let's stay away from that word that starts with an F. Like, let's, or, you know, if my parents would never say that word. But like, anyway, that's, that was, that was my experience. I that's love that. Absolutely beautiful. That's so Thank beautiful. you. And I, I love that point of they're not thinking about it in the way that you are. When you're locked in that cage by yourself, it can be so overwhelming. <laughs> I, I, for me, it definitely was. I thought it wasn't an option. It was such a scary little word in the back of my mind for so very, very, very long. Um, and by the time that was all out in the open, because my brother actually outed me to my parents. So it ended up being- How? Tell kind us. Kind of this wonderful blessing. He came to visit me in New York after he returned from his Mormon mission. That's right, you heard it here, people, the Mormon mission. Bless. Yes, and he wow. was on this really like family-centric kick in his life, trying to bring the family together. He was on a spiritual high. And uh, he came to visit me and I was like, all right, if he's going to come to New York, I guess I better tell him the skinny on the on what's happening here. So I said, listen, if you come here, you need to know a couple things. I live with a Jew and a black person and there might be some beers in the fridge and I know a lesbian. 
And he was like, oh, I still want to come. And I was like, well, damn it, here we go. And I told him, and he came, we had the best time. We had a really wonderful bonding experience. He totally took that fear away from me and probably went home and told my parents. And then I didn't have to worry about it for the next week while they got to deal with it. Um, but Interesting. The, but it, the fear of it, I think, Gavin, as you said, is always so much worse than the reality of it. Um, and, you know, now there's so much, there's access to so much help and support for people if it does take the worst turn. Right. Yeah. Because the, the relief you feel after, mm -hmm. even if it goes poorly, mm -hmm. you never have to do it again. Mm -hmm. Like once they have it, they can pretend they never heard it, mm -hmm. but they heard it. You told them the truth. And that's the other thing. It's the truth. Why right. do we, there's no, you, you don't have to hide from the truth. There's nothing more beautiful than knowing and living your truth. It's it, your shoulders go down, your stomach unknots. Un yeah. yeah. A, another thing I would advise is uh, my friend Chris French told me before I was going to come out to my parents. He said, um, "Make sure you tell them both at the same time." Because I was like, "I'm going to go to the one that will be less, and he can just tell yeah. the other one." And and he said, "That's something I think somebody told me, and I think that's something you think it's going to be easier, but but be generous to them." The other, the one that you didn't come to first is never going to get over it because it is a monumental moment for their lives as well. And give them both the opportunity to get the information at the same time, if you can, because right. then it seems like it's too big and they're, they're there and it's the both of them. And I'd be so much easier just to go to one. Hmm. You know what I mean, Frankie? Do you, do you feel that? Yes, do, no, do you, I, I mean, I do, I do know what you mean. I actually got a question um, like this from a fan once and you know they had already come out to their mom and they were struggling about co coming out to their dad and they didn't want their dad to feel any type of way about it and you know i said listen like it's also like everyone's individual journey and story yes. of what is going to make them feel comfortable and if coming out to your mom first is what is going to give you the power to mm. then talk to your dad then that's that's your story and and your father yep. will come to accept that in in the future because that's that's your truth right that's how you had to do it um you know you sometimes you have to walk before you can run and uh so but yes if you are given the opportunity i think it's good to have both of them in the room when you do it because then they can also they, they they've been married for however many years you know they've been together and so they're gonna have to process it as a family mm. and it's difficult for one or the other to like keep that secret from a partner like because then it's just in encouraging secrets but you know again it's everyone's individual process so yes yeah i turned my i told my frat brothers first which was crazy and then i told my mom i did not come out to my father ever until he came to the mr broadway beauty pageant and saw me <laughs> in winning win as mr mama mia in a loincloth covered in glitter um with the, my at that time new boyfriend and that's how i came out to my father i was like bt dubs i'm gay as fuck dad <laughs> that's how i came out to my dad so oh so there's that and also my sister actually publicly outed me like I, I didn't know how to come out to like the world i was like really struggling with that like i didn't know like what was the right way to do it like i had already come out in my private life but then um i didn't want it to come out in my public life and Ariana did it in an interview in Tiger Beat magazine, which ended up Tiger Beat old. And it said, Ariana Grande, I was bullied because but I was bullied by um because of my gay brother. I was bullied because of my gay brother. And it was a whole story about how she used to be bullied at school because she had a gay brother. 
And um, she, she outed me to the world. And I was so grateful to her. I was like, she was like, I'm so sorry I outed you. And I was like, no, it's the best thing ever because I didn't know how to do it. And I can't think of a better way than Tiger Beat Magazine Centerfold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's get real. Young gay boys all over the 80s and 90s, like as I said, Tiger Beat was a go-to for all of my closeted needs. <laughs> Absolutely. If you need to exactly. know what Debbie Gibson was wearing that week, you had to go to Tiger Beat. <laughs> and I needed to see what little black chapeau Chad Allen was donning. <laughs> I also want to say one thing. Um, I, my friend um, Wesley Taylor, I believe, directed yes. you in an upcoming gay movie that you're going to yeah. be in. Super gay. Yeah. I'm really I cannot cool. wait to see it. What is yeah. this movie? Yeah, so um, Wesley Taylor and Alex Wise and I have worked together for several years. We did um, Indoor Boys, several seasons of that. And um, so they wrote a script for um, a new a movie uh, called Summoning Sylvia. And uh, we shot it last year over Pride. And it was uh, just an amazing thing. The script is really cool. It's a gay camp horror comedy. So... It's really gay and it's really fun. It's all queer cast, all queer writers and directors, obviously. And um, yeah, it's I mean, we're it's almost done. Um, I'm their final cut is going to be done this week, and then they have a month to finish it, and then we're gonna shop it and sell it. So you got to have Can't me back wait. on when, when it's out in, in the world. When you say camp, do you mean it's in the woods, or do you mean that it's just really campy? <laughs> Or both. <laughs> no, it's really. There are moments of real camp in there, like really campy. But then there's really good heart. Like I don't know, Alex and Wes are really geniuses, and they, they skirt that line so beautifully. So um, it really has a tremendous heart and a great message, but at the same time, will make you pee. It's great. That's what we want. That's <laughs> all we want. Somebody to touch our hearts and make us pee. Um, I want to yes, ask exactly. you what? What does that even mean? Uh, I want to ask you as you kind of were growing up and, and falling in love with theater and falling in love with the arts, was there a specific pull or did you find a lot of connection with maybe other queer people or, or feeling validated mm. in being yourself that you found in your theater opportunities, be it community theater, or high school choirs? Did you find that this business we call show was, was helpful in your journey? Yes. My gosh, my, it's something I think a lot about right now as we're reckoning with how to behave backstage and what what the Me Too movement has brought about the theater and, and our, our confrontation. Because I want to say something that I've never said publicly, but I've been thinking a lot about, is that I think with everything, when people are declaring things that they feel or saying how people should or shouldn't be canceled or treated or whatever, whatever, you know, walk that journey however you need to. But I want to say, I want to witness to anybody who's listening how complicated it is for me on what the theater in the, in the 90s and the 2000s and the nonsense we got up to backstage, mm -hmm. grope, groping and mm -hmm. makeouts and nonsense backstage that absolutely happened and that I enjoyed. Like mm -hmm. it was a place for me to feel like my gross, weird, gay self that did not understand. There were some people who were not probably comfortable and, mm -hmm. but, and maybe at times I might not have been comfortable, but it was just the quote unquote way that things were for so mm -hmm. long in the theater. And I am really having an emotional reckoning with like, I, I, I how do I reckon how exciting and 
verifying and validating it felt to me to have a place to go where I could explore, quote unquote, safely or with older people who were able to show me, come with me, I'm going to show you a world that the rest of the world was telling me was evil. I'm going to go to hell. It's you're going to die of a disease. And I'm reckoning like, OK, how do we move forward in a way that protects people's um, uh, bodies and, and what th their choices? And it is consensual and people have a choice to make. But also, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to blanch out what made the theater such a, a safe haven and a beautiful, explorative, taboo, welcomed because that's what I was told I was, was disgusting and taboo and mm -hmm. wrong. And I'm just, I guess I say I'm on my journey of trying to figure out how to reckon with the joy and, mm -hmm. and the sensual pleasure that I felt in that world that was now told to me to be inappropriate and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. No, absolutely it was deep. agree. That was, that was kind of the playground of being able to express with other people was, I mean, yeah. even from the time of being a kid, you know, you're running around backstage at 12 years old with the other munchkins and acting like a lunatic and you can't do that at junior high. Some of us are, yeah, it is. We were yeah. so poorly behaved in Mamma Mia. Uh, we were just, just very poorly behaved and it was the most fun I've ever had. It was just the most fun I've ever had and it was so liberating and it was so freeing um, to be able to just have that kind of camaraderie and kinship, you know, the ensemble, we were so close, boys and girls all together. We were very, very close. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a lot of fun, but I totally understand what you're saying, Gavin. And, you know, we just had, um, I'm doing an off-Broadway show now, which both of you must come see, Titanic. Absolutely. Open. Plug it, plug we it. We start previews next week. It is a musical parody of the film Titanic with Celine Dion's music. All right. As... I identify, so I identify as a Celine gay. I always have been. Yo, you're going to lose your mind. I always will be. Fabulous. So this for me is a very special treat. I can't wait, Frankie. Yes. I play Victor Garber, <laughs> and I'm the captain, and I crash the ship while singing I Drove All Night. Well, there you have it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just when you thought the <gasps> Bette Midler Halloween <laughs> Galaxy costume was going to get you. There it is. That's, is that the gay sentence we're going to hear today? Uh, it's even gayer. It's so gay. You have to come, both of you, whenever, come next week, whenever you want, if you're here. Um, I'll get you tickets whenever you guys want. But, um, I, uh, yeah, we did, like, sensitivity training, which was very interesting. Oh. I've never, ever been part of a sensitivity training like workshop before and you know um it was interesting like everyone was was very invested but like afterwards we were just kind of like yo like guys like we're, we're very close to the cast it was like listen if anything happens like that makes you feel uncomfortable please come talk to everyone individually like we're super we were super close and we're a very small company so we were i think we're able to say that mm -hmm. but um yeah it was really interesting to go to sensitivity training and see you know intention i think is the name of the game when it comes to all of this, especially for Broadway. You know, like when, when, when the intention is bad, you're gonna feel it. But when the intention is one of playfulness and love and of making you closer, um, then, that is, then that should also be felt, I think. So I think intention has a lot to do with it. I think for me, and I don't mean to disagree, mm. but I think impact Correct. is yeah. equally, if for me, if not more important because my intentions may be all great, but if it's not received in a way, if you're not, if, if Frankie, if I'm, if I'm coming, if I'm coming at you in a way that I mean the best thing, I have to watch. I'm a really tactile person, and I, and I'm, I forget that I'm. This is the other thing I think about. I still feel the age, the distance from my age to 
like, let's say um, Julia Lester, who's in Into the Woods, who is my um, Little Red in Into the Woods. We're going to start in a few weeks. She is a genius. She's so good. But she's 23 years younger than me. She's I'm double her age. And I have to, I, I realized I'm a tactile person. I'm like touching her shoulder. And, I, and, and she never said anything. But I was like, Gavin, calm down. You're excited. The distance between you and her um, seems very little from where you stand. But the distance from where she is to me, I'm like an old dude. I'm like an old person who has like this career and I don't feel that way. I still feel like I'm in the ensemble of Mamma Mia, you know, in that way. But I'm, I have to remember, I have to remind myself the impact of who I am, what, my, what I do with my, my words, my body. I, I, I'm just trying to remind myself while I'm exactly, Frankie, the intention, my intention, mm-hmm. I believe is pure. I just have to remind myself that my yeah. impact, it's, it's, a deep, it's a deep, messy, uncomfortable conversation we're having and we're going to screw it up. But I think I'm so excited that there's a sensitivity training for an off-Broadway show. Yes, Frankie. That's amazing. What we decided to do was be like, hey, what was your intention by saying that? You know, like, what, uh, what was your intention by, by saying that? Like, did you know that you were saying something like inappropriate? And you're like, no, I didn't. Or, oh, yes, I did. I'm a creep. But whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like to keep that dialogue open because I think that we just get, went through a really, really horrible and an unfortunate time where people, do, no matter what someone's intention was, they were completely canceled and slaughtered and never allowed to perform or be employed ever again based on something that they said or did. And I, that cancel culture needs to go away forever. I think we need mm-hmm. to allow due process of law. I think we need to listen to both sides of every argument as we move forward and not just say this person accused you of something therefore you should never work again because that's wrong in my opinion well in every circumstance is unique it's all very you know case sensitive and every case sensitive single that's what i think i think it's case sensitive always gonna exactly. be the and with social media it's very easy to read something as a blanket statement and correct people can make assumptions sure on either side of of an argument exactly um and and to bring it back to pride and and specifically mm-hmm. being gay trans bi anything it's just another really subversive way to introduce and perpetuate homophobia for me if if like like i, I think a lot about um th- how it's still i still see examples of how it's really still okay in a lot of ways to to make fun of or 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 drag us as a community in ways that we think we're doing it in fun we do it to each other in a way that i'm like we need to i think we need to like maybe try a little better to i I like what frank the point that i love that frankie made is let's have let's let's be open to conversation and grace Mm -hmm. and and compassion but yeah but also let's be mindful of the people who i have to keep reminding myself i'm a white um Mm-hmm. quote unquote, a successful gay man. Mm-hmm. Thank God I'm gay. So I have a little bit of, you know, um, objectivity and in, in being othered in a way, but I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky and fortunate. So I have to remind myself, there are people who aren't saying anything who are fucking sh- shitting themselves right now because they're afraid of the power that even I have, they wouldn't say something to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Even though I think I'm a nice and approachable person. I saw you in Thoroughly Modern Millie when I was 10. And now as much as I want to say, will you stop talking about turtles all the time? Cause it's triggering, whatever. 
I just think I'm just, they're just turtles. It's not that big a deal. My intention is pure, but it's, sure. it's hitting you in a way that I literally was traumatized by a turtle when I, I'm, I'm using a, obviously a terrible example, but I, I'm just, <laughs> that dialogue has to go both ways. I can't, yes, it does. I want to make sure it that does. there's an, there, there's an opportunity for that person who's terrified of turtles also to come to me. Yes. To or not to me to go if they need to to go to an HR person to go yep. to somebody else and that we can have a discuss we can have a discussion they have to feel protected in the space and if I'm not if I'm part of that then I need to learn I got to learn how I how I screwed it up this creating is deep it got deep up in it there got real I love deep. it uh, but it's creating a culture where people feel empowered to communicate whatever yes. they're because communication is the key to change communication yes. is the key and to love solace, communication bonding and through a lens of love please i can't tell you yeah. how much i am inclined to change my actions when it comes mm. from a place of love rather than a place of uh you're wrong scolding. and yeah. you're scolding exactly like like mm. i'm like oh i didn't know i had no idea but like if you come and you're like listen i just wanted to say i felt a little uncomfortable when you xyz and i'm like oh my god thank yeah. you so much like you know it's like when when you're like yelled at for something your your immediate thing is to like recoil and be like shut down and shut down sure. and be like oh god the honey like, honey versus bro. the honey versus vinegar argument in a way sure. yes can i add to that can i i want to add that yes and I love it. I, I just want to say again, we I want to be mindful that sometimes people in trauma, be it ancestral trauma, be it um, uh, sexual trauma, whatever, don't have the capacity to be able to come to me with honey. And I, that's where I need to be able to have a wider heart to go, wow, they're coming at me with a lot of stuff. I'm going to try to hold it because that might be coming from a place that I don't understand and I might need to I might need to learn from. So yes, it is I want to, we also have to be careful of tone policing. Like saying to people, if you said this nicer, it would be easier. Mm. I'm a white man. I'm a white man. So when I say to you, anybody of a, of an oppressed minority, it would you would get your you would you would achieve what you want if you just watched your tone. I have to remember the trauma that could be at play here. Sure. That's my yes and. Like to be my, me being mindful of sure. this could be really bad for them. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I agree. But sometimes yeah. that, that they can't afford that grace because they are so overcome with anger, pain. Yeah. And then and they can't come to me. They got to go to the HR person. God bless you, anyone, anyone who has that kind of self-awareness or is willing to take on that kind of self-awareness. Yeah, so let's practice. A it's lot daily of people practice. are not, and that's the practice yeah, that's amazing. To, to really kind of hard. Um, Ooh, it's hard. Yeah. I want to go back to, um, in, a, in a kind of blanket way, as you navigate your careers, and Gavin, you touched on this early on in the conversation, um, as gay men uh, who have played leading men straight roles, uh, who create content, music, and other kinds of content that are created, do you feel that there are roles at this point that you would not take? Um, do you feel that there is a, a line of where you feel you need to be representative at a certain point in your career? Or how does that, how does that kind of navigate you? Ooh, that's a good question. Isn't that a, a content? Like we're both, we're both, con I'm, I watch Frankie. Frankie's a content person. Like he's mm -hmm. looking for projects to do. And I think I, I, I'm similar in that way of like, I wanna be a part of the making now mm -hmm. not just the doing not just the like okay what do you want me to do i want to i want to think of things so yes yeah. i'm excited by i'm excited by finding ways to tell stories that i'm excited by through the gay lens i, I want mm -hmm. frankie said something so beautiful and painful earlier about 
I didn't have any gay role models. Yeah. I didn't either. I, I didn't either. I mean, they were there, but they weren't out or they weren't proclaiming. Who was your, Frankie, who was your first real, was it Queer Spoke that you think that was the very first intro? Yeah. Was, so. was Will and Grace at all? Was no, Will and Grace a part of it Will at all? Grace for me. I mean, it was Madonna, you know, she was my first gay icon, to be honest. You know, I see. I had seen Truth or Dare quite a few times, so I was I was exposed to and her and her art and everything and all the the men in the Vogue video and all of that. So mm. I think Madonna was probably my true first gay icon, if you will. Um, and then, but in terms of like you know like a gay man, yeah, I think it was Queer as Folk, the first one that I the, that I was like, oh, those are gay men. This is the the one with Randy Harrison or the British yes, version? The the original the, the original American version, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved her. Yeah, I, I, Who did you see, Gavin? I did I remember when I moved to the city in nineteen ninety eight after college was the first episode I think of in the fall was of Will and Grace. And I was like I couldn't believe what I was watching on the television, like that they were saying it. Flash flash forward to two thousand and oh gosh, I'm gonna embarrass myself. Was it two thousand and eight? Yeah, it was two thousand and eight. Well, 2007, the year before Barack Obama was elected, I heard him say in a speech, lesbian and gay brothers and sisters. He was talking about the gay community in a speech to run for president. Yeah. And I was like, you would never, people people are like, I want change now. It's not happening fast enough. And I want to say, when I was in my late 20s, wait, was I in my, no, God, I was in my early 30s. When I was in my early 30s, a black man on the television running for president mm-hmm. took took the risk to in an in a speech for the job to include me and i i cried i was like oh my god nobody ever would have taken that risk before gentlemen just like that we ran out we ran out no. of time we, wait is that it I, I that's that's all the time um so i'm gonna give you one last moment to just Frankie, James, Grande, what does pride mean to you? Go. Pride is uh, being true to yourself and it is inspiring others to do the same. It's living your life out loud and living your life freely and, you know, honoring the people that came before that allowed you to do it while inspiring Mm. the next generation to do the same. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I can't follow that. I don't think that we do enough of that, quite honestly. There it's true. Like, ahead of us. There's a big, the, I'm a, the only reason that I'm a big, big flaming homosexual is because of that amazing transgender woman of color who threw that brick at Stonewall. And I will forever right. be grateful, eternally grateful to her. Gavin. I can't follow. I, I, I agree with everything Frankie said in that last <laughs> statement. And I, and I would just, I would add going forward, support anything gay, pay, find gay businesses, watch gay movies, Read gay books. I'd recommend A Great Summer Read. Red, White, and Royal Blue is a dream. Less is one of the great gay novels of all time. Won the Pulitzer in 2016 or 2018. I can't remember. Just just know that telling really beautifully um, expressive gay stories in music. I'm making a piece called Walk On Through. It examines the art of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I'm going to be at the O'Neill this summer um, debuting it so again you doing for the second time. There. Well, my hope is it's going to be on Broadway in the next year, year and a half, just that we're working towards, and then I want to tour it around the world. But it's, it's telling my story through art and, and about love and life and everything. But I'm, I'm a gay man on that stage, and I'm telling it through that lens. And the, the person of love that I'm singing about is a man and the idea of it. And I just think 
don't be afraid to tell that story and to and to support the others who are doing it. I would almost say support it regardless of what your opinion of its quality is, because we have to support each other and go see these plays and go buy these compact discs. Yes, there's lots. <laughs> like, yes, we've got we've got to support one another in in a way that that um, our dollars and our and our time speak to our own value. Uh, so I would say, I love that, Frankie. We are only here because the people who brought us this far be one of the people who brings the next generation further by supporting each other. Pride. Yeah. Beautiful. Boys, I love you. Thank you so much. Look for Gavin. Gavin's going to be on Broadway again and Into the Woods. Go see Frankie in Titanic. And uh, just shout my name anywhere that you can. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It has been an absolute dream to chat with you today. I wish we had like three more hours, to be honest. Me too. Thank, thank you, Ben, for all you do. Right now. You Blowing you gay kisses. Love you, you gays. Well, I don't know about you, but that was my gay dream come true. What a fabulous episode and conversation with the fabulous Gavin Creel and Frankie James Grande. Hey, if you like what we're doing, make sure you're following us on social media at The Broadway Cast. Very easy. You can follow me personally at Ben Does Broadway. Make sure you subscribe to our show, rate us, review us, and make sure if you want to support us even further that you hit up our Patreon page where you can get exclusive access to some very cool behind-the-scenes moments that no one else gets but you, our Patreon family. I'm your Broadway buddy Ben Cameron saying happy Pride and have a great show. 